Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Monday afternoon edition of Talking Sports with Evan. Uh, very rare Monday afternoon edition. Normally, I'm at work uh, during this time frame, but with uh, Memorial Day being a holiday, I am off, and I get to bring you uh, sports talk um, here this afternoon, and lots to discuss here today. The Starting with the Milwaukee Bucks, it is looking like the Milwaukee Bucks have made their uh, head coaching decision. It hasn't been officially made official yet, but it's sounding like it will be Adrian Griffin, uh, assistant coach from the Toronto Raptors. Who is Adrian Griffin and what are my thoughts on that will be discussed on today's show. Milwaukee Brewers continuing to sputter. Um, had a great start in April. May cannot get done quick enough off day a rare memorial day off day today for milwaukee i think it's been a while since they did not play on memorial day but here we are no game today for the brewers and uh i was like very excited in particular about one player that the brewers signed during the or traded for during this offseason and i've you know come to realize that i know it, it happens a lot but i was completely wrong and completely whiffed on the particular player that i am talking about which i'll get to momentarily it is not the guy the brewers just dfa'd today which i will talk about that as well on why it was probably him but not the other guy that got dfa'd and then there's a debate among sports talk um, around the area here that I'm just I'm I'm going to lose my mind over by the time the season starts. The who's under more pressure argument, and I'm tired of it already. I'm going to kind of talk about that. But the first thing first, Adrian Griffin. Looking like Adrian Griffin is going to be the next head basketball coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want to get your thoughts on Adrian Griffin. Um, if you don't mind, you can tweet tweet at me um, at Evan Whit Sports. You can tweet at me and let me know what your your thoughts are uh, on the Bucks uh, looking like going to be hired. Um, Still nothing's been made official yet from the Bucks camp, but that's who it's looking like it's going to be. And I'm going to start off with what do we know about Adrian Griffin? Well, we do know he played college ball at Seton Hall. He went undrafted in 1996, uh, played for the Long Island Surf, the Connecticut Pride, the Atlantic City Seagulls, Rosario, Connecticut Pride, and the Atlantic City Seagulls again before getting a chance to play with the Boston Celtics in the 1999-2001 through 2001 season. Spent a couple years in Dallas, spent a year in Houston, spent a year in Chicago, spent another year in Dallas, and then another year back in Chicago, and then in Seattle, and the then he was with the Milwaukee Bucks very briefly as a player, and did not make the final cuts in Milwaukee, and he became an assistant coach under Scott Skiles' 
coaching staff in 2008 through 2010. From there, he worked with Tom Thibodeau and from 2010 to 2015, spent time as an assistant, spent time in Orlando as an assistant in the 2015-16 season. 2016 through 2018, he was in Oklahoma City. And up until he now is looking like going to get the Bucks job, he has uh, been an assistant coach for the Toronto, uh, Toronto Raptors. And I guess uh, we don't really know anything about him. That's kind of the point I'm making. I, I read his uh, bio on Wikipedia. Because that's really all we know about Adrian Griffin. We know his resume. We know what he has done in the past as an assistant coach. We know who he's played with, who he's coached with. But we don't we don't really know a lot about him. And that, that's just how it is. You know, it sounds like he's got a lot of respect from a lot of, a lot of players. He was an assistant with the USA coaching staff. Um he was an assistant with the USA coaching staff that won the gold in 2014 at the FIBA World Cup. And it's, you know, you go through Twitter, a lot of his former players, a lot of his former um, people that covered him, his family, they're all super pumped and excited for him. Uh, so, you know, I, I see how everyone else is reacting to Adrian Griffin. Uh, looking like he's getting the head coaching job of the Bucks. I see how his peers are reacting, and it definitely makes me intrigued and a feeling a little better for the move than I did prior to it being. And it's not that I didn't want him, the other finalists, Nick Nurse and Kenny Atkins. Nick Nurse uh, actually just now App push on my phone. Uh, Nick Nurse is going to be the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. So he's going to have likely two superstars he gets to try to coach to a championship. So we'll see what he can do in Philadelphia. But I, I'm happy that the Bucks went different. They brought in Budenhoser five years ago, uh, guy who got let go in Atlanta. And yes, I wanted Budenhoser but they go with the guy with some head coaching experience. You could have went with the head coaching experience route again. You could have went with Atkins. You could have went with um, Nick Nurse. You could have went with Monty Williams, for examples. But we kind of already know what those guys are and what they have to offer. And the big wild card is what are you going to do with Giannis? Giannis is the star player on this team What are you going to do offensively that can even unleash him even more than we've already seen thus far in Giannis's career? And I don't really see anything in Nick Nurse's profile as a coach. He did great with Kawhi Leonard, but Giannis is not the same type of player as Kawhi Leonard. Uh, He did great with, um, you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry before he got moved. Um, Monty Williams has Aiton there, and I'm not saying he's a saint. You know, obviously Giannis is much better than Aiton was in in Phoenix, but he never really got the most out of him. And he's a he's a very solid basketball player there. 
He knows how to run a very guard-centric offense, but how is he going to incorporate Giannis into that offense? Adrian Griffin is new. He's been around some really good defensive-minded, hard-nosed coaches, and he's been around Nick Nurse, and maybe he's one that can take a little bit of everything that he's learned as a player and a coach and work on developing the team and maybe work on developing Bolt Camp a little bit. And I, I've read and I've seen numerous places talk about how now he can develop the young players on this team. And in reality, the Bucks only have one young player on this team, to be perfectly blunt. That is Bolt Camp. A.J. Green is who he is. He's a two-way player, and that's all he's ever really probably going to be unless he goes to a bad NBA team somewhere else. And, you know, he can go do what, like what Sandro um, did in San Antonio, but he's not going to be a guy you depend on in a key game and if you're trying to vie for a championship team. And the move does come with risks. You have a very tight championship window still available to your team. And it's always risky going with the unknown. So that's the big. And then Giannis wanted him, apparently. And I've, I've seen people have, you know, people like are fine with Giannis having the input in the new coach. And I've seen people that aren't happy with Giannis being involved in this decision. It was actually Giannis and Middleton involved in this decision. And I have no problem with that. I don't have an issue with Giannis and Middleton helping give their input on who the next head coach should be of the Milwaukee Bucks. They're the ones that have to play with him on the floor. They're the ones that have to buy into his leadership and what he's trying to sell. To this team, they have to play with him. The GM and the owners just sit back and watch the product on the court while those two have to play with him for 82 games. You need, you know, you better, you better get your input from your star players. And they did the same thing when they hired um, Budenhoser. They had Giannis and Middleton sit down with him. Tristan and I talked about that when Bud got let go and they hired their new coach. It would probably be uh, Giannis and possibly Middleton um, getting some say on who that coach is going to be. And I don't have a problem with that. And I'm sure Giannis wants to know how is he going to be used? How is he going to be utilized? What are you going to do to challenge him to be a great player? And it sounds like those two connected and that's why Giannis uh, wanted him, and that's who he, that's who they got. And I was listening to Locked On Bucks podcast with Kane Pittman, and listening to him with Justin Garcia. And there, some of the things they were talking about, you got to start finding new ways to utilize Giannis than just being the ball main, you know, one of the main ball handlers and charging downhill like a a bull in a a bull going, you know, seeing red, talking about getting him involved more on doing screens and opening him up that way, put him in the corner, um, find different ways to try to utilize Giannis's strengths. Because the the style Giannis is playing with right now, he's 29, He he's very aggressive. He's going to probably have to, in at least in the next couple years, he's going to have to reinvent himself as an NBA player. He's not going to be able to be that bully, run people over from the top of the key 
um, flying through the air and then hit the ground for much longer for the fact that that's going to catch up to him. And we've seen NBA players have to make adjustments to them, their careers in the past where we saw Dwayne Wade have to change the type of player he was. Derek Rose has had to adapt with the type of player he is. Um, Vince Carter had to adapt to become a different type of player. Giannis is going to likely have to do the same. And this coaching decision is going to be likely be the guy who starts helping Giannis develop what the next step on is in his career. And we've seen LeBron have to make changes to himself to become the, you know, the the player that he is now. And we'll see what happens with Griffin. And I, like I mentioned, I personally like the move. I think it was, I like going with the former player and not necessarily going with more, another retread, do something different. If it doesn't work out, horse is gone. If horse would have fired Nick Nurse or Kenny Atkins and it didn't work out, John Horse is likely gone. But let's give give Griffin a chance. Give him a chance to see what kind of coach he's going to be. Is he going to do the things that, as Bucks fans, we've been wanting to see? Are they going to do more ball movement on offense where guys aren't just standing around, but they're moving around all over the place, setting screens, moving around? passing the ball around, trying to find the best way to attack rather than turning it to more of an ISO-type style. And every coach who the Bucks interviewed, including the final three, they all had their uh, their warts, and Griffin, they feel, warts are, were the less out of the other op- options that they had, so. Moving on to Packer news. So not really Packer news, but what I want to say about the Packers. And this is what I'm getting tired of with the Packers right now and the the coverage of the Packers. And I know we don't have a lot to discuss right now, being that it's May 29th at the at the uh, time of the show. But the, the couple arguments that I'm tired of is everything that Love and Rodgers does – at OTAs, everybody's magnifying magnifying it to be bigger than it actually is. It was the first OTAs, and love started slow and then got better as practice went on. That's fine. I, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to overreact to what love is doing on May 25th of 2023. It's all a process to see if he can look like a starting quarterback come week one of the 2022 NFL season. That is what we need to see. We need to see progress. And he comes in maybe a little too excited and rushing things and too amped up because, hey, this is my team now, and he probably needed to settle down a little bit. But as practice went on, he was better. The other thing is who's under more pressure to, to you know, under more pressure, Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love? I, I don't like that argument for the fact that we shouldn't be putting Jordan Love under a ton of pressure right now. He's going to be a first-year starting quarterback in the National Football League, and his expectations are to look like he belongs as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Those are the only expectations we should have on him right now. We shouldn't have the expectations that he's going to be another Aaron Rodgers. We shouldn't have the expectation that he's going to be a Brett Favre. 
We shouldn't have the expectations that he's going to be another Brett Hundley. The only expectations right now I have on Jordan Love is that he looks like he belongs as an NFL starting quarterback. I don't, I'm not worried about wins and losses in 2023. Of course, I'd love to win every game that the Packers play in 2023, but I know that's not realistic. You know, 20, 2008, the Packers went six and 10. Rogers' first year as a starter, they went six and 10. But the, the thing was, is Rogers looked like he belonged as a starting quarterback in the league. That's all I want to see from Jordan Love. And that's all I'm fine with. The Packers could go four and whatever, six and 11, three and 14. If Jordan Love looks the part, he looks like he belonged on the field, then it was successful for Jordan Love. And we can build off of that. If Jordan Love completely falls on his face, does not look like he belongs on the field at all, well, now you got to start maybe thinking about taking a quarterback in the 2024 draft with Caleb Williams and May as options and maybe thinking about uh, moving on early from him. But to me, that's the expectations. And I'm t- I'm tired of the argument on who's under who's under more pressure this season. Rodgers is clearly under more pressure. He go- the Jets are expecting a Super Bowl. Is it realistic expectation? No. They're in a tough division, they're in a tough conference. But that's where the difference is between Aaron Rodgers' uh, expectation and Jordan Love's expectation. I just want to see that Jordan Love can be a competent quarterback in the NFL, and we got to be patient with him. He may struggle week one. He may look great week one and then struggle week two. He may look great for the first three, four weeks of the year and look bad for the next three, four weeks of the year. Quarterbacks that haven't started a game – well, he started one, technically – but quarterbacks that haven't started a game um, really yet, they they struggle to develop, and that's what we're going to have to um, work on seeing out of Jordan Love. And again, it's all about progress from week to week to week. The other argument that I'm seeing a lot that I am kind of getting tired of already, too, is... I won't get into that one right now. I'm going to move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. So I was very excited when the Milwaukee Brewers brought in a certain player this offseason. I should say who they traded for this offseason that, you know, ended up, they ended up trading Hunter Renfro. And and then later after that, in a completely unrelated move, they traded Colton Wong to the Mariners, and they got brought back uh, Jesse Winker in return. And at the time, I was happy with the move because you you look at Winker last year. Yes, he did not play that well, but you look at Jesse Winker in 2021 in 110 games, a 305, 394, 556, 950 um, stash. He Hit 24 home runs, 71 RBIs, 53 walks, doesn't strike out a lot, gets on base. In 2020, he was a 255 hitter with uh, 12 home runs in this shortened season. In 2019, he hit 16 home runs, batting 269. In 2018, he hit 289, hitting seven home runs. 
So Winker looked like a player on the rise, and I was excited about it. And then you looked at him, like I said, you looked at him last year. Injury, he did have 14 home runs, but he was hurt most of the year, wasn't happy playing in in, in uh, Seattle, and things didn't go well for him. But my thought process was, we have a new, he's in a new home. Uh, he's He's mashed. He's raked at American Family Field in the past as a member of the Reds. And he was a guy I was expecting to get another left-hander, left-handed batter that could put up some pretty good numbers. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened. And I was wrong. Winker is no longer a serviceable MLB baseball player. He's batting 204 on the season, slugging 231, and on base percentage of 315. And that 315 is, well, it should say every every sl- line that he's slashing right now is career lows for him. He has zero home runs, three doubles, and in his last seven games, he's batting 40, uh, 0-43. And his last 15, he's batting 139. And his past 30, he's batting 167. He's just not good anymore. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong of my assessment um, of Jesse Winker, and he's batted into 20 um, double play balls already this season, and it's only May 29th. So he's not able to hit the batters along, not able to be the, the bat that I was hoping he would be, and he's not doing what a DH should be doing, and the DH should be putting up much better numbers than a 204 batting average with 13 RBIs in 118 plate appearances. So, yes, I was wrong. I was wrong about Jesse Winker. I thought that he we would see hopefully more of the what he was in Cincinnati playing an American Family Field version of Jesse Winker, but we're not and you know, it is what it is. He's not been DFA'd as of yet. Luke Volt got DFA'd today. And I'm pretty sure the reason why Luke Volt gets DFA'd and and, uh, Winker doesn't, I think they're going to give Winker as many opportunities as they can to see if they can turn him around because Winker's still owed quite a bit of money this year. And this is last year of his contract where Luke Volt, they're not really paying anything. He's not producing. It's not going to hurt much on the bottom line when it comes to just releasing him. And, and my my apologies. The 20 was grounded into double play opportunities for Winker. So I uh, he's he's grounded into 20 double play opportunities. Hasn't had a double hasn't hit into a double play. So that's my apologies there. I missed read the stat for a second, as opposed to Hunter Renfro, who is batting uh, 252 on the year with 10 home runs and 29 RBIs, and he's got a 455 slugging and a OPS of 760. So that would, uh, that would look much, much better in the lineup right now. I know I I do question if how he is as a locker room guy. He's played in five different teams uh, in the last five years. He's really bounced around, has not been able to find a home, spent some, you know, most, you know, first 
four years of his career in San Diego, and then twenty, you know, twenty twenty Tampa Bay, twenty twenty one Boston, twenty twenty two Milwaukee, twenty twenty three LA. He's not been able to find a full time home. I, I questioned uh, is he have issues in the locker room that is part of the reason why, but maybe I would over maybe I should overlook that and leave him in the house right now. But the, the Brewers' plan all along though was let the young guys play. Um, Weimer is supposed to be in right field right now. Garrett Mitchell is supposed to be in center right now. They're supposed to be getting most of those at bats. Um, you moved wet run fro because you wanted to give your we- your Weimers, your Mitchell, possibly free your free licks. Uh, you want to give them your terrain. You want to give them every opportunity possible to show that they are ready to play at the major league level. And Weimer has done exactly what I expected. We could see better from him, but things could be worse. Terang has done some, uh, and Weimer's done some great things defensively. Terang's done some really good things defensively, playing shortstop a little bit now with Adamas on the IL with a concussion. His bat's been up and down again, exactly what I expected. And Mitchell was playing really good baseball before a shoulder injury. Uh, pretty much ended his his rook his uh season this year before he really got a chance to even get going. So not ready to panic about the Brewers yet. They do play in a not good division in the NL Central. The, the NL Central is just not good. And they're a game and a half up on Pittsburgh uh for first place. Pittsburgh's probably gonna continue to fade. The Cardinals had been red hot before uh, losing yesterday and now again today. The Reds, uh, the team, the only team in the division coming into today with a winning streak. The division's awful. The Brewers have just enough to potentially um, sneak in the sneak away a division win. But the big thing is the Brewers need to get healthy. Luis Urias will probably be brought up soon. He's on a rehab assignment. My guess is they didn't do a corresponding roster move for uh, with Luke Volt um, at this point, just because uh, they're probably going to look to move Urias back onto the forty man because he was on the sixty man. They're probably going to put Urias back on the forty man and then put him back in the major leagues, and he'll probably become uh, play a lot of third base while Brent Anderson plays right field. And how good has Brett Anderson been? His defense has been outstanding, and his bats really come along for Milwaukee. And he's been a godsend. He can play both right and third. I think he's played more third than the Brewers were anticipating at this time. But he can do both, and he's showing that he belongs um, as your everyday third baseman. But with how bad Tyrone Taylor is, you may have to put him out in right field and have Owen Miller and Luis Urias play that third base spot once Adamas is off the IL and Miller can move from second to third. So, But this Brewer team needs to get healthy. They need Christian Yelich to be more consistent. We saw a, a blurp from Christian Yelich against, um, against uh, Kansas City when he just completely went, you know, crazy hitting the baseball. But since that great streak in Kansas City, his last um, 
seven games and his last 22 at bats. He's batting 227, 346, 318. No home runs, no RBIs, four walks, five strikeouts. That's what he's done his last seven games. So Yelich needs to get going once again to get this Brewers offense. And the big thing is they got to get more consistent out of their offense. And as I mentioned, thankfully the, the division the Brewers are in are not very good. I still think at this point the Cardinals are going to end up winning that division, as painful as it is for me to say that. I think the Cardinals end up winning it, but I think the Brewers, if they get healthy, have enough horses in order to win this division. So later this week, I will be bringing you a Thursday edition of Talking Sports with Evan, my usual night for the show. I will be talking about some uh, rule changes in the NFL. Uh, Green Bay getting the NFL draft. I will be talking about that on Thursday and give you any latest updates on the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching hire and the uh, hopefully the Brewers starting tomorrow get a um, build off their win from Sunday. So with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the weather if the weather is nice. And please remember um, why we um, do celebrate the day that we do celebrate today. Um, for those men and women that gave their lives to allow, you know, give us the, the freedoms that we do have. With that said, have a great rest of your day. I'll talk with you all later this week.